Now, pastors, we like to use this next one totally about tithes and offerings, but I want you to hear this. Malachi 3, 8 says, Should people cheat God? You have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? Come on, that's what we're all asking right now. When I read this, that's what I said. What do you mean, God? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offering due to me. And listen to this. You are under a curse for your whole nation. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Some think about the offering. Some of us, we like to think about the plate that we just passed around, right? What does the Bible say about our lives? Our lives will be poured out as a drink. Offering our lives. When we take and we steal our lives from God, when we don't give 100%, when we don't give everything that's within us, what have we stolen? We've stolen from God. It's easy to think of it as a piece of candy. I can tell you my story. Uh, there was a, a grocery store when I was a kid in Ottumwa. And it was called Warehouse Market. Anybody ever hear of a Warehouse Market before? They're, they were kind of neat, right? And uh, they had these little candy bins from Brock's Candy. You know, put a, put a nickel in back. It was a nickel or a penny. I think it was a nickel or a penny. Maybe a penny, yeah, Don. And you could take a piece of candy, right? Here's the problem. I didn't quite have a penny to put in there. And I remember we got outside, my dad and I, and I reach into my pocket, and I pull my Brock's candy out. I've never seen a hand come up so fast in my life as, as you know, the bejeebers got knocked out of me. Um, and it was, where did you get that? He knew the answer. I had taken it. And my dad said, do you realize that your Uncle Rob works for that store and you just robbed from him? And I went, oh boy. And he made me go into the store and apologize for one penny. Nobody would have ever known, right? It was the honor system, but he knew that I had cheated and I had stolen in that moment. How many of us think about that? How could you steal because you are the offering? How could you steal yourself from God? Let me tell you what Satan Jesus credits Satan with. One of the few times he credits him, right? He credits him with stealing because it destroys and kills a person. It brings death. So to love ourselves and be a good neighbor, we cannot steal. We can't steal from God. We can't steal from our neighbor. Number two. Let's keep jumping on our ten, top ten list. Do not deceive or cheat one another. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob your neighbor. When we cheat another person, who are we really cheating? Cheating ourselves, aren't we? But let me tell you what it brings when we cheat and we defraud. It brings separation between us and God. Because God can't hang out with a cheat. God can't hang out with people who want to deceive he was so serious about deception that he changed Jacob's name because his very name meant deceiver. He changed his name to Israel. That's how much God couldn't handle cheating. That's how much he couldn't handle defrauding. Let me tell you what Zacchaeus, you know, we all used to sing the little song in Sunday, so Zacchaeus was a wee little man, you know, and we climbed up in the tree. But let me tell you, he understood it. It convicted him so much in Jesus' presence and he understood that it kept himself, it kept him from loving God. 
and his neighbor, he offered to repay with interest. This is what he says. Luke 19, 80 says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Folks, look at that Zacchaeus understood. He said, I can't have that deception. I can't have that cheating, that defrauding spirit around me because it will keep me from being in the presence of the Lord. It wasn't about the people that he was defrauding. It was about him. It was totally and absolutely about him. Because he didn't want to be separated from God. Well, let's look at number three. I told you, we got to move fast today. we got to move fast. Do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely. Well, what does that mean, to bring shame on the name of your God? The commentary simply says it means to blasphemy God. Well, what does that mean? That means that, that as we know the power of God and experience Him, and then we deny Him. That's simple. That's layman's terms. To know the power of God and deny Him. Come on. We've all been, we've all had that moment where we begin to deny him. Peter had that moment as he stood around the fire. He knew the power of Jesus and he stood at the fire. And look at the great conviction that brought upon his life. He stood around with a bunch of people while Jesus was being interrogated. And he said, I don't know him. I never knew him. Denied that power. When we deny or insult dishonor God? How can we show our neighbors love by pointing God to them? You know, I'm going to get really personal for a minute. Share one of my stories where I, I gotta be honest guys, I screwed up. I live in a glass house. I, I, I try to tell people that. I, I try to show you and I'll be vulnerable. I had the opportunity to share Christ with someone one time. But this person watching me very closely in my actions i got to be honest, my actions didn't honor God in that moment. Now, we can get into all of that, and I'll tell you the whole story here in a second. But it didn't honor God in his eyes or my eyes. And he told me in that moment, he stopped allowing me to be a good neighbor and showing him God's love. So for me, it was some guys I worked with, guy I worked with in particular, I was sharing Christ with him continually. And uh, for some of you know, I used to run races and and at the end of these races, they used to like to hand you a, 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 we won't get into all that, but they like to hand you a cup of beer. I'm not a drinker. But in a moment of stupidity, a moment of joy, a moment of whatever you want to call it at the end of this race, my wife got a picture of me downing the beer. And that picture was put on Facebook in pride for finishing the race. But in that young man's mind, I walked in the next day to the office and I began to share. And he said, stop. You don't exemplify God here. And I don't want to be a part of that. I lost my opportunity because I dishonored God. Because I didn't represent his name well. Now, I don't want to put anything into your personal lives. 
I don't want to get into all of that today. But I want to tell you what it, did, what it did to me. And I never was able to speak about Christ ever again into that guy's, into that guy's life. Not once. It is the greatest disappointment of my life. Because I wasn't a good neighbor to him. Because I couldn't control my own impulses for two minutes. So that I could have the opportunity to share eternity with this guy. It broke my heart. And I made a commitment in that moment that I would not dishonor God with my actions. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But I'll tell you, I will not knowingly mock my God's name. Because I don't want to ever be held responsible again for losing an opportunity to be a good neighbor. Number four, do not hold, withhold pay from those you owe. So I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, guys. Uh, it's, it's a little bit longer, but a lot of us, we're not business owners. You think, well, how would I hold back pay from anybody that I owe? And several weeks ago, we talked about the Upside Down Kingdom. I told you, that was my favorite series. I love the Upside Down Kingdom. Uh, I just loved that one. And the week I got to preach, we got to talk about what? Generosity. We got the opportunity to talk about generosity. So what does that look like, though, for you in your day-to-day about not holding back pay from from those that you owe? Generosity comes into this here in just a minute. So I'm going to ask you, don't raise your hands again. This is is not a raise-your-hand kind of sermon, just so you know. How many of you have... uh, You may have your reasons, you think. But I want you to ask what Jesus would have done. How many of you have held back your tip from your server? Because you thought, oh, they didn't deserve it. Let me ask you, do you know what was going on in their day that day? What if Jesus would have walked by the lepers and said, they didn't deserve it. They don't deserve it. I'm going to walk on by. What if he just said that to the woman that the elders brought to to him to stone? Oh, she doesn't deserve it. I've got to be really honest with you, none of you. None of us deserve his grace. Some of you are withholding your tithe because you don't like something that the pastor did. That never happens, does it? You didn't like what the pastor said. You didn't like what the board did. You didn't like the decorations that got put up, so you've withheld your tithe. I'm going to speak really plainly here since I only get to speak every so often. And you go, you'll all forget by the next time I give up here. Simply, you are a cheapskate in your day-to-day life with the grace of God. Jesus gives us a quick view. Matthew 18, 21, he talks about the story of the unforgiving servant. Because everybody here, as I look out here, you should understand this story. How much you were forgiven. How much grace you were given into your life. And when we withhold from those, our neighbors, those we encounter, we become like the servant who decided to yank back from all those who owed him after he'd been forgiven a great amount. And I will remind you at what the end of that story says. He was thrown into prison until his debt could be paid. I don't want to be that guy to you. Too much whom is given, much is required. 
famous Spider-Man words, right, Wendy? We know those by heart. If you were given much, my friends, you're required to give much. Let's take a look at number five. Do not insult the deaf or cause the blind to stumble. Well, I thought about this, guys. This one, in my literal mind, I thought again, very easy. If I saw somebody doing something to someone who was disabled, I'd jump in, right? I would jump in. I, I, I mean, I totally would. I've had several team members over the years in my jobs they've been, uh, who've been deaf, who've actually been deaf, right? And I'll be honest, guys are cruel. People are cruel. And they would, they would play pranks on them. They would make fun of them behind their backs. And I got to tell you, you want to get my ire up? Ooh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and try that on my team. You won't be on my team very long, right? But, so this was like all resonating in my head. And then I wanted to think about it a little bit. The Holy Spirit kind of opened my mind to this. I began to think about those who are deaf and blind to God. So many times we look down on them, we look down, we're harsh on those who are deaf and blind to God. And we, we turn a blind eye to them. We turn our hearts away from them. And yet Jesus constantly had a heart for the blind and the deaf. He, couldn't, he could have overlooked them, but he never did. Matthew 18, 6 and 7 says, But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin... It would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable. What sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? As we meet our neighbors in the next coming weeks and months, you know, we're gearing up for tomorrow. And part of what I want to do is encourage you for, to, for next week. We're going to be meeting a lot of places people, and we're going to be helping them find their way in God. These are going to be people who, guys, who, who don't know who he is. They're, in effect, blind to who Jesus is. And it's our opportunity to show them who Jesus Christ is by living out being a good neighbor. Our job is to guide and lead them, not insult them and judge them. I know about you guys, but I was there at one point in my life. I was blind to Jesus. Number six. This will be an interesting one for us. Do not give preferential treatment based on what you think about them. Judge, simply, don't judge people on how they look. Right? That's pretty easy. Or where their pocketbook is at. That's an easy one. That's a really easy one, we think. Because it, it's really easy to get sucked into that one, actually. Oh, that person looks good. They're wearing the clothes I like. Ooh, they like the car they're driving. Well, I want to be their friend. And we base all of our preferential treatment on that. See, God says, treat each person as God treated you with grace. I gotta imagine how God saw me beforehand. I was a pitiful wreck. Pitiful. Filthy. Dirty. And he could have preferred me for somebody a whole lot better. Maybe my wife, she's a lot better looking than I am. But he didn't. He gave me the same treatment that he gave his, his own son. Treated me just like them. Because God didn't see all my faults. He saw me for who I was created to be. 
thought so much of me and of you that he gave his son for your life. No matter where you stood, Don, he loved you that much. Romans 12.10 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in it. Get excited to honor one another, to be around each other. I simply wrote here in my notes, be a good neighbor. Now, this might hurt somebody's feelings, number seven. Don't be a gossip. Don't be a gossip. This ties in with all the other six above this. Don't steal, don't tell lies, don't rob, don't judge, and so on. Gossiping really encompasses all of those, doesn't it? And it does all of those things to people when we participate in it. It steals from people, it cheats people, it dishonors them, it holds them back from who they're supposed to be. Some of you say, I'm not a gossip. Oh, oh man, churches, we're full of them. Some of us, some of us like to even use prayer as our opportunity to gossip. Well, let me tell you so you can pray about this person. That's painful. All gossiping does is make you feel good about yourself. That's it. Proverbs 6 and 16 through 19 says this. It says, there are six things the Lord hates. I like that. I mean, that is strong language, and I'm a strong language kind of guy. The Lord hates. And he says, no, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, Feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. Boy, it just sums up gossip, doesn't it? It does all of those things. And it says God hates it. So if you want to be a good neighbor, we can't gossip. We can't be a gossip. Solomon described gossip, gossip, gossip as something God hated that much. That's a strong term, hate. It is a strong term. The only things that should come from our mouth and our heart should be things that build up each other. pastor reminded me of that this morning in Ephesians 4.29. That's our main job is to edify and build each other. It says, don't use foul language or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them, not a gossip. If I hurt your feelings there, good. I'm not even sorry. Number eight. Ah, this is a fun one. This is great. Don't stand by, do something. Not paraphrasing once again. Christ followers are always meant to be people of action. We think we're pacifists. We're not supposed to be pacifists. We're supposed to be people of action. Everybody remember as a, as a kid, I think they still make them now, they call it the Action Bible for kids. Wendy, they still make those, right? Yeah. 
the Action Bible, because that's who we were meant to be, people of action. We were never meant to sit on the sidelines. Mark, Mark 10, 45, Aaron, Aaron really cemented this in my brain so much that I, I, just, I love it. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said Jesus came so far as to do something. Not to sit on the sidelines. We were created to be action heroes, for those of you who need to know it, Kelton. You were created to be an action hero and not stand on the sideline. We even came with a direct mission from Jesus in Matthew 28 where he gives us, says, go out and make disciples. Not sit on the sidelines. Not get a good butt imprinted out in the seats. Go out into the highways and the byways and make disciples. We're created to be action heroes. Because let me tell you this. It's a bold statement. I really, I really um, was hesitant to put it out there. Because somebody said, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, if, I don't know if I see anything. Well, let me tell you this. Our neighbors, this is the statement, our neighbors are being threatened with a life in hell without Christ. So guys, you got to get on the job and get into action. That's the biggest threat out there. That these, our brothers and sisters, our neighbors out here right now are being threatened with a life in hell. And yet we're content to sit on the sidelines. Leviticus tells us plainly, get out and do something. Number nine, we're, we're getting close here. Don't nurse hatred in your heart. Now we talked about that a couple weeks ago, about unforgivingness and generosity, and, it, and this really plays into it. So many of us walk around here, guys, we're wearing our offense like a, a scarlet letter that we're proud of. You know they hurt me. You know they hurt me. And we want to tell everybody about it, and we're proud of it. We're, we're proud of our hurt because it's turned into hatred. And we, we get really proud of it. It makes, us, it makes us guys as neighbors no fun to be around. And it doesn't exemplify Christ. It makes you, if you will, a bad neighbor. How much fun is it to be around somebody who's got a bunch of hate in their heart? Oh, man, I mean, I, I just can't wait to get to hang out with them, right? Jeepers. No way. Don't hold it in your heart. We're not supposed to hold it in our heart. But we're supposed to talk to one another with open hearts when we have offense. And we're supposed to do it with love. And we're supposed to truly love one another. See, another, see a lot of times the mistake we make is we'll say, well, I'll go talk to them. But we don't do it out of love. We don't, talk, we don't do it out of being a good neighbor. We do it to make ourselves feel better. We go, we go beat up somebody else because... It made me feel better. And that's not being a good neighbor. Ephesians has a little bit more to say about all of that. It says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. <laughs> all right. See, we can't hold on can't hold it in our heart. can't let bitterness come in there and grab hold like a seed that just permeates everything that we do because it makes us a bad neighbor. 
Finally, number 10, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge. Did I speak to anybody today? Many of you have held on to some offense and bear that grudge against them. I've heard people say it all the time. They hurt me and I just can't get over it. And here's Leviticus saying, knock it off. I want you to remember this, that the Bible describes us at one point as enemies of God before we were saved. What if God had held that against us? What if he'd hold, held that grudge against us for our sin, the sin that, that nailed his son to a cross? What if he'd held that against us? I don't want to be the enemy of God. I don't want to be the enemy of any of you. But when I hold on to that, it makes me unlovable. Romans 5, 10, 11 says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful, renewed relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's good stuff, isn't it? That's good stuff. That's strong language, though, to be called an enemy of God, yet He forgot our sins. We're no longer his enemies. We're his sons and daughters, it says. Many times it's hard to forgive others because we can't accept the forgiveness extended to us. So when, you've, when you walk into that room and you're holding on to that grudge, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to remember that one time you were an enemy of God and he forgave you. Good neighbors don't hold grudges and they forgive one another. Set exactly by the example of the Father. Kelton, if you want to come up here and play. Finally, how do we love our neighbors? I hope that what you've seen today, as we've talked about that, is that loving our neighbors is really about how we hold ourselves, how we love ourselves. If we don't steal, we can love ourselves. Because there's no guilt there, is there? We don't gossip, when we don't deceive, when we don't withhold, when we don't steal when we don't hold grudges. That's how we become, how we love ourselves. Those are God's direct commandments. That's how we can, and that's how we can love our neighbor. When we look at these charges to us from the law, we can see that it sets us up to receive and give God's love. When we live out these top ten rules, guys, we can truly be receivers of God's love and we can be givers of God's love. So, if you want to be a good neighbor, live by these words by the Apostle Paul out of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. But love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And that, my friends, is how we become good neighbors. We have the opportunity. I want you to hear me loud and clear here. I'm not going to give some big altar call today. 
I'm not. Um, we have the opportunity coming up, guys. A once in a lifetime opportunity. Doyle said something to me yesterday. It resonated in my heart as we were cleaning up outside a little bit. And he said, Kelly, he said, we have, with some people, one chance. One chance to get it right. One chance to show these people that we can be good neighbors. One chance for some of these people to accept God's love. This might be their only chance. This might be the only opportunity we get. And so doggone it, we got to be good neighbors. We got to be the best neighbors in the neighborhood. And when we live through these principles, we can be good neighbors. We can show people the goodness of God. The things that were happening in our hearts right now, we can share with those who come in these doors. So I'm going to pray over us today, and I have a couple announcements afterwards, but if one of these things today, you heard it, you've stolen from God, you've stolen from others, you've withheld pay, you've gossiped, you've held a grudge, you've just not been a very good neighbor, you've not been very good to yourself, this is your opportunity to talk to God today and get it right. Because next week we have a golden opportunity. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your guidance that tells us how to love ourselves, God, so that we can love our neighbors. Lord, your very words tell us how our actions should, should speak. God, forgive us for those that we've hurt. God, forgive us for the, the opportunities that we've missed. God, forgive us for the gossip that we've spread. For the stealing that we've done from you. From others, God. God, forgive us for the grudges that we've held. God, because we just want you this morning. Lord, we want your presence. We want your word. We want you, God. So God, I pray for each person here, Lord, that these words would prick their heart this morning, God, that they would hear your voice today. And Lord, that they would drop the hurt in their life. Lord, that they would be true lovers of you and live by these words today, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your time that you've been in our house today. God, I thank you for your, your presence that's been so strong. Lord, I just pray that you would cause us to be good neighbors. God, in Jesus' name, amen.